You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. Oneofus.net and all of the shows on it are 100% subscriber supported. Please consider becoming a subscriber to oneofus.net. Keep the site and all of our great shows going and get some terrific bonus content as well. Oye, Beltalora. Welcome and good our review of Expanse Season 5. A lot of things happen this time around. Main character gets split up. Rocks get thrown at the Inas. Amos don't get his tequila. A Pashengwala actor gets based. Here to talk about it with me is Robert. Hello. Aaron. Hello. And Alex. Hello. And I, of course, am Rose, and I am so sorry for that horribly embarrassing intro. <laughs> Actually, I'm not going to lie. It was significantly more impressive than I expected. Hands off to you. Hats <laughs> you. off to you. <laughs> I wrote it all out phonetically. <laughs> yes. If it makes you feel any better, like, I've been low-key talking belter speak much worse than you were to my children, just kind of randomly. And my son just turned to me at one point and went, Dad, stop talking weird. <laughs> Why are you like this? Yeah, I, I'm one of those people that uh, unconsciously adopts an accent after I hear it for even just the slightest amount of time. So every single episode of The Expanse, I find myself thinking or talking in like belter slang for just a few minutes after it's over. <laughs> All right, well, getting into it, uh, what did you guys think about this season? Robert, let's start with you. I mean, I just continue to dig it, you know, on a very superficial, been watching sci-fi since I was a kid tip, the the Rossi spin move in episode seven is the closest I'm going to get to a big screen version of what happens at the end of the last Starfighter. So I really appreciate that stuff, <laughs> but I really liked, uh, you know, you mentioned it in your wonderful intro, you know, it's time to see the gang split up. And um, it really reminded me of Dark uh, off Netflix in that mm-hmm. they're both ridiculously watchable, but they both did what most shows try to do and don't, which is manage not disparate, but so many different storylines and to me successfully pay them off in a great way by the end of a season. So I think this is up there with the the best of sci-fi episodic. Oh yeah, I mean this this season more so than all the other ones, which they, they do more or less to one degree or another, but this one more so than any of them felt like an ensemble cast because I thought they managed to expertly balance um yeah, all the different storylines going on. None of them felt boring or, uh, you know, filler or anything sure. like that. It, it was fascinating to see all these different factions and groups of people dealing with this very massive thing that happened. This, this show was a lot. I spent the last two months watching all five seasons because I've always been looking for an excuse to watch it. And I guess this was it. Uh, I'm a big fan of Robert Heinlein's work, uh, especially The Moon is a Harsh Mistress. So it was cool to see that this show expounds upon a lot of the same ideas of how people who have may have spent their entire lives in space now want to emancipate themselves from those who didn't. And yeah, this show, like every season gets further and further into more tense situations that require like ungodly amounts of diplomacy. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, this, this is one of the best sci-fi things I've ever seen, period. I mean, I didn't 
I never imagined I would get as engrossed in it as I as I am now when I first started watching it. Yeah, I uh, so I'm one of those annoying people who read the books a long time ago. Like I was geeking out yeah. when they actually announced the show because I was like, oh my god, it's mm. the expanse. Um, They're right, Pampa. And, and so, uh, well, I, I'll admit, I, I, w- I had issues with season four, both the book and the show, mainly because I really, really hated the antagonist character in that so very much. Um, th- this is the book that I was most excited for them to get through and adapt because it's the one where they they really start to show the effects of the events from the protomolecule and the ring, uh, the effects that has on society in a way that the other stories haven't yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, like this mm-hmm. is, there is no random alien weird shit going on in this. This is all humans messing over humans, uh, trying to grab at power and find a way to have any semblance of security in this the universe. And so, yeah, it, it's also one that changes the shape of the show because there's there's kind of before this and then there are events that occur across the season that, that they start setting up last season that I'm excited to see where they go. It drastically changes the landscape of the show and allegiances across the board that this felt like um, a less uh, a less character killing off version of the Red Wedding season of Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for real. I want to give a special shout out to, I'm probably going to mispronounce his first name, Jesai Chase Owens, playing uh, Philip Inaros, the the son of Naomi and Marco. Um, Did they like go super far method acting and have those two actually have this kid like 15 (laughs) years ago? He looks so much like both of them. It was completely believable that that was their kid. But yeah, and I mean, not only does, was he a perfect choice physical-wise casting, but he was a really standout actor, and it's my understanding this is like one of his first roles. Well, they've always done a really good job of picking characters who give the Belters that unique feel and language that they have. Like Every single season of the show is great about that. You just feel, feel the, the pain and the turmoil on this guy's face once he, I mean, almost instantly starts to break down once his mom starts to come back into his life. And then every time his dad steps back into the room, he kind of, no, I'm a big tough guy. You don't need nothing. Mommy, please come back. <laughs> and I wanted to punch Marco Naros in the face just uh, all day, every day. Props to Keon Alexander for being one of the best bad guys I've seen in a while. I mean, you he, he's one of those great villains in that, what he's trying to do is on paper fairly sympathetic and you understand his motivations, but of course his methodology is almost completely unforgivable. Well, it, it, it's one of those things where like uh, Killmonger and Black Panther and, and even when mm-hmm. you we extrapolate out to like Thanos, it sounds like he has a good idea on paper and like they do and you want to believe the words that they're saying, but I, I never really buy the fact that Marcos and Aros actually believes what he's saying he's just a power hungry guy who sees an opportunity um but he's really charismatic and the actor who uh plays him who i'm rapidly trying to uh pull up his name because he doesn't show up till the later seasons um keon alexander thank you thank you 
Uh, but he does a good job of being that charismatic evil. Like you never know if he's mm-hmm. going to order someone to be murdered in one sequence, if he's going to kill them himself, or if he's going to give him a lovable, a lovable hug and pretend to be a good dad. Like every second he's on screen, he oozes menace and manipulation and he's awesome. And he is, he is, I Googled it to confirm, not the kid from the first <laughs> season of the show who ends up tossing out that spaceship that blows up. I swore to God, like, wow, that's amazing that they tracked this character throughout. But no, he is not. One thing about Marco I really enjoy is kind of the balance and what Alba Sarala is going through in that we're getting these tinges of the, the, the heat of the political discourse over response. And they're talking about the proportional response and Marco is waging asymmetrical warfare. It, it's non-combatants. It's the innocent. It's anything to get what he needs. And if she, of course, says, you know, we don't want to be at war with this group of people that's, you know, blanketly being accused of being under Marcos's control when we know that not to be the case. And so, you know, that that is a very realistic way to look at it. What is also realistic, sadly, is that Marco is is pushing forward without opposition and I, I think you're right about the power hungriness. Something I really like about his character is there's a slight aloofness, not in the goofy sense, but that in all the great villains that we see in this type of stuff, there has to be a little bit of they're they're kind of flying however they want to fly, but also this is deep seated and they're comfortable not being solid either way because if nothing's going to stop them, that's kind of just fuel for the fire. Yeah. It, it was interesting to see Avrasarala in a position where she no longer held so much power and was simply left with what guiles and, I guess, connections she still had in the government to influence in what ways oh, she yeah. could. yeah. I mean, she, right from the outset, she, well, not, not immediately, I guess, but as soon as she had the opportunity without spoiling too many things, she started pulling the strings like right again. Yeah, because we do get to see in that boardroom how when war is on the table, it jumps real quick to what's the most devastating thing that we can enact to show that, you know, we're not to be messed with. It's it's gonna mm-hmm. be it's gonna be really good to see what you know, we keep talking about the, the we mentioned the, the scope changing. I think it's it, it's a great show to me also because more than any other time in the series, it's just more treacherous now than it's been through any of the seasons. Yeah, this, this feels like the most tension-filled season because, like, the last one was very much about discovery. You know, they're on this new planet, and who knows what kind of scary yeah. shit's going to happen, but it's new. And because they start to set up the events of this season last one, this entire season is this slow-motion bullet that's just like heading right towards all the main characters. And you know that it's fired yeah. off like the second the first episode mm-hmm. begins. And you're just waiting for that moment to hit where everything turns on its heel. And so it, it makes this season almost feel like uh, a non-traditional horror movie just where like every moment you're going like I, I swear to god half the cast is gonna die <laughs> and and i don't know how but yeah. i'm pretty sure we're gonna lose a few characters in the next episode and they may or may not make it we'll see yeah there there was one character loss that i pretty much more or less expected uh because of some outside reasons but there were a few times when another one of our main characters i was like oh man are they are we going to lose two of them? This this is getting pretty squirrely. And they, they bring back, I I think it's two different characters from past seasons. Uh, one of them happens to be like one of my faves. So I'm really excited about that. 
which I realize I set that up and I don't want to go into more detail because it's a total spoiler. I keep wanting to throw the name out there. (laughs) (laughs) So the other thing I'm really intrigued about though, is that from my understanding, this is going to be, this is the second to last season. And so they, things take a pretty dramatic shift in the core material after this. Like, uh, since it's pretty vague, I can kind of go into it and see like, like aliens do show up in the books at least, and they go on for another three books. I'm really curious if they're going to continue down that path or since they are going to be ending it in the next season, if they just go, you know what, we're going to deal strictly with the human element here. We're going to forget the whole, alien invasion turn that happens in the books and just be like no 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 this is a show about humans fucking over other humans yeah this show is remarkably human i just hope that they they balance it better than game of thrones did um you know where they had this human drama and then this kind of supernatural drama and just completely decided to yeet one of them out the window at the last minute and forget like it ever happened and i hope the expanse doesn't i will say i spent the last 24 hours fervently trying to get anything more than what we've heard about season six being the last one. And one of the creators and somebody else involved uh, has talked about they're looking at the end of season six as going through the sixth book, but more as a pause. And then there's more talk that that means they may contractually let the actors go do other stuff and then come back in a, because the ninth book, I guess, isn't released yet or, or is, Mm -hmm. or is the series completed? I, I, uh, I thought it was done at upcoming, book eight, I think. but awesome if we get another one. Yeah, so... I, I'm admittedly a book and a half behind right They now. talked about the, the first six books kind of worked coupled one and two, three and four, and five and six, and that ninth is the end of kind of a trilogy of the last three. So I think that comes out later this year. So there's two things I heard. One is that they'll pick it up a little while later after the actors can do other stuff. The other is that Amazon might look at doing films of the last three, which mm-hmm. I'd much rather see... Uh, 30 more episodes of the TV show. Yeah, I remember being baffled when they said that this upcoming one was the the last because I'm like, well, well, wait a minute. You guys have a whole bunch more story material left. And again, at the risk of comparing it to the other guys, uh, uh-oh. You know, like, it, it's an expensive show. Um, the effects are really high quality and what's probably more expensive is they have a lot of sets that they build and mm-hmm. each season mm-hmm. that they get quite a few new locations like especially with season four being on the planet the whole time that cannot have been cheap to shoot uh, i remember when yeah. Battlestar was on and they had the half a season on a planet uh or just in a non-traditional location even uh everyone complained about how that was a, a cop-out for money when the creators were like no no those are the most expensive episodes we've <laughs> ever made <laughs> uh, so like uh, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if Amazon's wanting to look at uh, turning those rest of the books into like three movies or even four movies, which yeah. I, I I would rather get the show because the quality of the work they put in is high enough. That yeah, this works. Mm-hmm. But I'll, I'll take it, man. I'm, yeah. I'm crackheaded. Like I just sure. I need my I need my expanse <laughs> yeah. fix. Just I got to get the whole story. Just do the part two thing <laughs> yeah, and give us six I, movies over the last six three books. That would be great. <laughs> I would rather have them continue it in a TV show format with like reboot level special effects if it just meant the narrative continued as strong oh, as it for has sure. been. No doubt. 
I feel, I feel like the first few seasons felt more like like a submarine drama. Yeah. Because they're all, you know, trapped in their little capsules in space and are left with only the resources at their hands to fix a lot of their problems. But these last couple of seasons have expanded oh, the... being so much more than that. Yeah, I mean, that those two these past two seasons have really made it feel more like a, a lived-in world or galaxy, I guess, as it is. Because they, they commit to these different locations and settings and stuff, and it just feels organic. It's incredible. Yeah, it, it's to a point that every time someone gets shot in zero G, and uh, you know their magna boots are on, so they basically just mm-hmm. sit there and just stop moving. It's always a bit of a shock. Like, oh yeah, I forgot they're on a space station. Why everyone has <laughs> short hair and all the women have their hair and these like lacquered on buns? Uh-huh. It's not because the SFX of their hair floating around would be expensive hey hey no no it's also logical i mean uh, yeah that that is one thing the show does a lot of the times is they throw in a lot of hard sci-fi space logic in a very casual Mm -hmm. way and they never call attention to it (laughs) like uh how there's plants everywhere to help oxygen production and uh, just little tidbits uh in the set design too and the costuming so I wouldn't be surprised if they're like, no, no, no. Belters cut their hair short because they don't want to get their hair stuck in anything because they're floating around. Yeah. There was only one time this season where they kind of goofed on that, where uh, Philip Inaros uh, pushes a bunch of stuff off a table in anger and it just goes right to the floor. And I'm like, mm, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> I, uh, I never really saw the appeal of neck tattoos until yeah. I started watching this show. You know, I will put something out there for the, the, the fans that like to dig deep. I didn't really uh, pay attention to it till the last two episodes, but I get the feeling that on the, the Rossi and like when we had Tycho Station, a lot of the user interfaces kind of are predominantly blue in their stuff. Mm-hmm. And most of the stuff on the Marco side of the equation is orange. And orange on a screen always makes me think of Kindle. And if that's a nod, like uh, inside baseball, not at, at uh, Amazon, good on them. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get that brand in. <laughs> All right. Should we move into final thoughts? Yeah. All right. Uh, okay, Robert, let's start with you. Um, it's it's gorgeous to look at the characters. I think the writing just showed through and through that, you know, uh, we Rose mentioned that it, it felt like an ensemble season, even though they were spread out. And one thing the show did was while it did that, make the sprawling nature of the story, you know, real. And I really dug that. Uh, my high points of the season, uh, Naomi, I love everything about that. I hope everybody that watches it loved it too. The uh, second mm-hmm. spacewalk, I'll call it, we get to see her on, is one of the coolest <laughs> single uh, sci-fi shots I've seen in quite a while. And almost yeah. on the strength of uh, composer Clinton Shorter using typewriter sound still in the score, I'm going nine out of ten bottles of scotch for a drummer. All right, Aaron. Look, there's there's no beating around the bush. This is, in my opinion, one of the greater shows that's even on television right now. This is a show that is going to enter the hallowed grounds of like Babylon 5 and the Battlestar Galactica remake. Um, and Deep Space Nine is some of the best science fiction that's ever hit television. Uh, the effects are great. Mm-hmm. The acting is all top-notch. These characters... Uh, the actors are good to begin with and they've had over five years of practice to get good, even better at it. Everyone's believable. Everything feels real. 
you should absolutely be watching this. Um, th- this is unequivocally a 10 out of 10 for me. I, I adore this show. And-, and also just throw it out there. I think this is the best season of the show. Like I, I get a lot of people like yeah. season three. Um, Cause that was a really intense, really mysterious season. I dug it, but, but this one is, it feels more like a real world uh, dealing with real world problems than any of the other seasons have before. It's amazing. Uh, 10 out of 10 amazing fucking <laughs> droid robots that steal shit out of space stations. That thing was a tank and I love it and I want one desperately. I don't want to jump in, but I watched Westworld season three just to see that red ro- robot and this just destroyed that. Yeah. It was so cool. All right, Alex. I absolutely adore this show. Uh, every word and action from literally any character carries so much weight and can cause a butterfly effect that'll come up, I don't know, two, two three seasons from now. Uh, this is definitely the best written sci-fi show that I've ever seen. And all of these characters have reached new depths with each season, uh, particularly this one where so many of them were caught up to by their past. Uh, damn. I'm going to give this nine and a half out of ten tiny suplexes. <laughs> Um, yeah, what else can be said that hasn't already? This is one of the greatest sci-fi works of fiction of all time, one of the greatest shows I've ever seen. I mean, it's very easily up there in my top ten at this point. And this show just keeps getting better and better with each season. And I honestly don't think there's been a bad or even a weak one so far. I saw a lot of people dunking on last season because it was so different, but in hindsight now, I mean, I, it, that just adds to the strength of the show that they can diversify their locations and situations so much and still just have it fit and seem natural and this season continues that by way of having all the main characters split up 95% of it. Um, yeah, I, I can't wait to see where it goes. I just really, really hope that they are able to bring it to a planned and dignified end and not just kind of cut it off or squish it all into you know one final project um with that said though i give this season a nine and a half out of ten polyamorous space pirates 